This is the Building Resilience Podcast, episode 100, 20 thoughts that get me through anything. Woohoo! It is here. We are at episode 100. I am so excited. I cannot believe it that we are at episode 100. And I wanted to share with you what an honor and privilege it is for me to be talking and sharing with you every week. I look forward to working on the podcast. It's one of my favorite things to do. I get excited finding all the topics and researching and creating and and recording is not my favorite. And listening back is certainly not my favorite, but I love doing it. I love your feedback. I love it when I hear from you that a certain episode touched you in a way or was really helpful to you. I just love hearing from you. I especially love it when you leave a review. So if you have not done so, I'd kindly ask that you take a couple of minutes to do so. It's super simple to do. You just have to go to wherever you listen to my podcast and scroll down and you see ratings and reviews and just leave a review. I just love that so many people have said such kind things. Some people don't agree with everything and that's all good too. And I am amazed that a hundred episodes have gone by. I'm amazed that I have found a hundred things to talk about, and I'm amazed that I still have so many more things to talk about in the works, and I'm excited to keep doing this. This really, like I said, is one of my favorite things to do, so I don't foresee not doing it for the, the future. I want it to keep getting better and better and reaching more and more people, so please share the podcast, and thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing, and thank you for coming on this journey with me. Now. I was not sure what I was going to share on this episode today because it is a milestone episode and I thought I got to make it special, but I couldn't think of what would make it special other than perhaps I would share with you some of the thoughts that I have had over the years that have helped me build my resilience because that's what we're all here for. We're here to help build our resilience, to help deal with the adversities of life, the stress, the overwhelm, get through burnout. I personally have had some challenging times as well, and I wanted to share with you some of the thoughts that have helped me get through some of my challenging times, helped me manage my stress, the burnout, the compassion fatigue, all the things that I've experienced over the years. I have selected 20 of them, and when I thought about it, I was like, oh, 20 seems like too much, especially to share on a podcast episode. But then I realized we think thousands and thousands and thousands of thoughts a day. So 20 of them if they can be helpful, is probably pretty good. Now, some of the thoughts you may think may be a bit cliche, but I'm going to share with you regardless, because what other people think about me is none of my business. (laughs) So I just snuck in a little thought there. I won't include that in my 20, but that's a good one too. What other people think of me is none of my business. But seriously, what you think about me or anybody else is really just a reflection of you and your tastes and your values and who you are, and you get to own it all. So let's go. Let me share with you 20 thoughts that get me through anything. The first thought is what you water grows. What am I watering? So this one is very, very grounding for me. It's a simple one that reminds me that I have a choice of what I want to water. Every day you are planting seeds. Some you deliberately plant, others you just drop the seeds really without even knowing what you're doing. 
And sometimes we can see plants growing and sometimes we even know that weeds are growing and yet we keep watering them. We think them over and over and over. We say them, we allow them to occupy the precious real estate in our mind. And I like to think of our mind like it's oceanfront real estate. And so instead of building a beautiful home, we end up building a sewage factory. So I'd like to remind myself that what I think will grow, what I water grows. And asking myself, what am I watering is a really good reality check for me of where do I want to invest my resources, my water, my fertilizer. So what thoughts am I watering? Now, the second thought that is helpful to me is this one. It's a better world if I think this way. So let me tell you a little bit about the background of this one. My husband and I were driving in traffic the other day when a guy cut us off and my husband got pretty annoyed. And I remembered a game that I used to play with my kids when stuff like that happened. And I used to remind them to find explanations in charity. And so then we would laugh. We'd say things like, maybe the guy's in a rush because he just got a call that his wife is in labor, or maybe they need to rush somewhere because somebody is stranded. So I told my husband that we got to get back to doing this game. And his response was, well, I think it's a better world when we choose to think that way. And so since then, it has become a little bit of a game between us. Every time we find ourselves annoyed or frustrated or even slightly off, we reframe the situation to find explanations and charity and then add in, the world is a better place when we think this way. So I want to offer that to you. What can you do to change your thoughts to make the world a bit more of a better place? The third thought, and I'm just putting these thoughts out there randomly, is success is inevitable as long as I keep going. And this one has occupied my mind for a long time because you only fail when you quit, right? So I just keep going. And I was reminded recently of a story in that book by Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. So the story goes that during a gold rush, a young man who was mining for gold for months, he wasn't having success. um, And so he wanted to quit. And he sold all of his equipment to a junk man who sought counsel prior to starting to dig only to find out that the gold would be found just three feet from where the previous miner had stopped. And so the counsel was right. The first miner was literally three feet away from striking gold before he quit. Three feet. So I remind myself that when I want to quit, am I just three feet away from the gold? Because I truly believe success is inevitable in so many ways. I will strike gold one way or another if I just keep going and be delighted in the kind of gold I find along the way. Because sometimes the gold that I strike is not necessarily the gold that I thought I was going to strike. And that helps me keep my mind open to the idea that success comes in various shapes and forms. So for me to be open to the idea that I could just be three feet away from a kind of success that I didn't even know existed. So the fourth thought is, is it helpful or harmful? Okay, this is a bit of a cheat because it's a question, but it's a good way to evaluate all my thoughts. Will this thought help me or harm me? Will this action help me or harm me? If I engage in this, will it help me or harm me? So if I do this or that, or if I talk to this person or that person, or if I say this or that, will it help me or harm me? Will it help me move forward or keep me stuck? 
So it's a really good gauge, I find, as to whether or not I want to keep investing in a thought, whether or not I want to keep watering that thought. The fifth thought is expect miracles. I am a person of great faith, and this is one that I really have been working on, expecting miracles, believing that there are everyday miracles, and finding these everyday miracles, and then labeling them as such. And it's been super powerful in my life, putting my trust in God, the universe, what is meant to be, who I was meant to connect with, work with, the experiences I am meant to have, the adversity that I face even. I want to live my life expecting miracles and seeing the tender mercies all around me. I don't believe in coincidences. I believe in miracles. And the more I seek out the miracles, the more I find them. So I want to live on a daily basis expecting miracles. Now, the sixth thought that I find super helpful is a thought of just saying, look at me being human again. Now, a few of my mentors and teachers have taught me this one, and I have adopted it wholeheartedly. I am a very flawed human being, but I am also 100% worthy. I cannot change my worth. I can't grow it or shrink it, but boy, do I mess up sometimes. I judge, I criticize, I sulk, I get down, I get mad, I get frustrated, I get overwhelmed, I get defensive, overly sensitive, offended. I offend, I can be inconsiderate, so many flaws, I'm such a big mess. But I know it is because I am human, and that's part of the deal. That's why I'm here. So almost like being a little bit playful, I will say to myself, look at me being human again, or how human of me to blah, 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 whatever it is I've just done. If you remember, self-compassion is comprised of three main components, and you can go back to episode 22 to listen to it. But look at me being human again, it really falls under the category of common humanity. It shows how we are all human. We are all flawed. This is just part of the deal with being here on earth. So it's a thought that is really helpful to me when I sort of face my mess. Look at me being human again. How human of me to have that reaction. Number seven is a phrase that I like thinking and tacking on the ending. This is the part where, so I really do like to think of my life as being a movie and it can really help pretending to be watching a movie. It can be very helpful to do this with your kids, I might add. Often Rob and I say that when we hear from our kids or when we talk with them at the stage they're at now and the stage we're at now where we're, we're sort of more, I've given my analogy of in the airplane, we're out of their airplanes now, we're sort of watching in the control towers and sort of seeing where they're flying and sometimes they, they message in to get some help, sometimes they don't, sometimes they have their radios turned on, sometimes they don't. So we like to joke and say that when we're talking to our kids now, we just get the popcorn and we enjoy the show and we see what's happening. Because in every movie, including in our children's lives and our own lives, there are ups and downs. There's a conflict and the heartache, then there's resolution and the success and the celebration. So when I go through something, I like to remind myself that this is just the part of my story. This is just my messy middle. So I wanted to share with you, there's a story in my faith in one of our books of scriptures where a family leaves to go find a better place to build their life and to raise their family. They have to spend many months in the wilderness wandering and suffering and worrying, and it's a hardship for them, and they do not understand why they need to be going through all the trials that they do go through. 
Now, in the end, they do reach their promised land. They find peace and joy and are filled with gratitude. Gratitude because they realize that the time they spent in the wilderness, which was their wilderness journey, while not fun or anything that they would want to return to, it was a time that built them. It was a time that allowed them to develop their faith, their character, their skills, their compassion, all skills that they needed in their future. And what they realize is that the whole point of being in the wilderness is that it transforms all those who travel through it. So I like to relate that back to my own life, that we will all go through our own wilderness journey. And along the way, we hope to find other travelers who can buoy us up and sit with us and support us and love us. So as we watch our journey unfold on screen, we can just say, okay, this is a part where I'm lost in the wilderness, or this is a part where I'm going through a really tough time. This is a part where I'm grieving. This is a part where I feel hopeless. This is a part where I have to watch my child go through adversity. Then there's also going to be, this is the part where I celebrate. This is the part where I found peace. This is a part where I was extremely grateful. So knowing that these are all just parts of my journey, it's not the entire journey. My journey is not over. I am just in my messy middle knowing that this is just part of my journey. It's not my final destination. It's not my forever destination. It's just my messy middle really gives me some peace and some hope that my journey continues. And you know what? It's not even written yet. There is so much that I can do to write my own future journey. Now, number eight is simply the thought, they are not me. (laughs) And this is a simple one, I think, when I start to feel a little bit annoyed at people or maybe a bit self-righteous even, reminding myself that the other person is not me. They will not do things like me. They will do things their own way, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with how they're doing it. Maybe it is a better way. Maybe it's better for them. Maybe the way I do it is just better for me. Maybe it's exactly what they need and even what I need to learn to accept without judgment. So they are not me, and thank goodness for that. And the ninth one sort of comes back to what I talked about at the beginning, let them be wrong about me. And I talked at the beginning, what other people think of me is none of my business. Well, people will think what they want to think about me. And you know what? They can be wrong about me too. What is important is that I know who I am. Now, I had a funny experience that I want to share with you several years ago, probably about five or six years ago now. I was working with a client and he told me that he thought I was fake. He felt like I was not genuine, that I faked interest and caring, and I even faked my attitude and my humor. I'm not exactly sure what all the details were, but overall, he just said, I think you're fake. And I listened to him. And I expressed he was free to believe whatever it is he wanted to believe. And I was okay with that because I knew who I was and I knew that I was not fake. Now, that's not to say that there are not times in my life where I do fall short and maybe I am fake, but I was also okay with him having his own opinion. I wasn't going to try to change or to try to prove him wrong. I was just going to keep being me. Well, fast forward to today. And I still meet with this client every two weeks. So it's been about five or six years that I've been meeting with him. And we actually talked about this story the other day. So I was sharing with him how he can let people be wrong about him too. And we laughed about it because I said that I'm pretty tired after all these years of me faking it with him. Well, it turns out he was wrong. 
I am still me all these years. And he changed his opinion about me by his own volition. I didn't force him to. And it was okay that he was wrong about me back then. So I want to offer to let people be wrong about you. Just give them permission to be wrong about you. Maybe they'll change their mind about you. Maybe they won't. But as long as you know who you are, that's the only thing that's important. Now, my 10th thing comes down to who do I want to be? Now, this is another question, but it's a really powerful one. I work a lot with my clients about setting intentions. And one of the most important things actually to combat like stress and burnout is to lead a really intentional life. It's one of the best ways we can build resilience is by leading an intentional life. And in order to do that, you have to give a lot of thought. So I have people create what's called their documents of intention. And these are like living dynamic documents. I reread and refer to mine all the time. And I often ask myself, who do I want to be? How do I want to show up as a wife, a mom, a friend, a therapist, a coach? And I try to realign myself with who I want to be. So it's kind of like I'm realigning my compass with this question. We often know what we don't want, and that's a great place to start. But when we're running from what we don't want, we actually want to be running to somewhere we want to go to. Where's the destination that you're aiming for? And while the destination is merely where we set up our GPS, where we align our compass, I believe that the most important part is a journey. So who do I want to be on this journey? How do I want to show up? One of my most favorite episodes of the Building Resilience podcast that I recorded so far is episode 68 of The Amazing Race, and I talk more about this all there. So go back and listen to that one. Number 11, it's all my choice. I get to decide. Now, this thought is especially powerful, again, for dealing with stress and burnout and compassion fatigue. When we feel that we have no agency, we become victims. We're helpless or hopeless, and that can lead us to feeling trapped, and that is what leads to burnout. So when we realize that we do have a choice, we have a choice to do everything. It is very freeing. Now, we may not be able to choose all our consequences, but we get to weigh things out and get to decide what we want to do. We take our power back when we do that. We are no longer a victim to our environment. It's my choice, so what am I choosing? And the 12th thing leads me to say, I choose hope. And I always want to choose hope. I heard a podcast the other day with Jennifer Finley Fife, and she's a relationship and a sexuality counselor. She was a guest on the podcast. I can't remember what the podcast was, but she was a guest. And she said something that was so powerful to me. So I took some notes and she said, I'm basically paraphrasing. I want to choose hope to still believe in the good not let grief and despair take over. Of course, acknowledging they're there and that life is hard, but in the end, I am always going to choose hope. There are many reasons to justify giving up, but I want to choose hope day after day. She then said that hope is the antidote to suffering. It's connected to love, courage, and is sometimes the only thing we have to hang on, to put one foot in front of the other, to keep trying. And I loved how she summarized that because I want to choose hope is something that I have been thinking about and using that thought for years. I remember when I went through my divorce, a friend gave me a card that I love so much that I actually had it framed and I kept it in my bedroom for so long. And I ended up going and finding it in the back of my closet just the other day. And it says this, hope. Sometimes life seems to fall apart a little at a time and we want to fold up our dreams and put them away. Then from somewhere inside, there comes a song of courage, and we know we can never give up. 
Hope is that song we sing to ourselves. Although it may be difficult to hear, it is always there for us deep within our hearts. So I choose hope every day over and over. Now the 13th thought is it's a privilege to be here. And this one is just a simple reminder to not take anything for granted. It's a privilege to be here wherever here is. To be alive, to be waking up every day, it's a privilege to be wherever I am, talking to you, visiting a friend, going out for dinner, going for a walk, FaceTiming my kids, driving my car to get gas or paying a bill, taking a trip, cleaning the kitchen. It's all a privilege. Now, it sometimes doesn't feel that way, but it really is. So it's a good reminder that when I'm doing something, even if I'm doing something I don't like doing, reminding myself, it's a privilege just to be here. All right, the 14th one. You still with me? Let's go. It's the letting go that lets me fly. So you may or may not know I am a huge fan of Grey's Anatomy, 19 seasons going strong. I have not missed an episode, although I sometimes watch them later on. I don't necessarily watch them every Thursday night, but in the 19 seasons, I haven't missed an episode. Anyhow, on one of the most recent episodes of the last season, they played a song that I just thought was so beautiful. And the words totally resonated with me because it summed up a thought that I've often thought about needing to let things go in order to move forward. And they sung it so eloquently. It's letting go that lets me fly. And I think of it like that gymnast on the uneven bars. In order to move from bar to bar to complete the routine, the gymnast can't be holding on to the bar the whole time. There is a moment where they need to completely let go and then they catch the other bar. But for a moment, they are holding on to nothing. But it is only in letting go that you can really fly. And this is actually a hard one for me because I want to hold on. I think that I can hold on, that it's a safe thing to do, but holding on is often only holding me back because it really is the letting go that lets you fly. Now, thought number 15 is get in the arena, Leah. I've talked about that Roosevelt quote before that Brene Brown references so often, and I talked about it more in episode 86 called Advice and Criticism, and I actually share the quote there. But essentially, I like to ask myself if I am in the arena of my own life, Or am I sitting on the sidelines watching others? Sometimes I am, and that's okay too. But sometimes I need to push myself and remind myself to take center stage in my own life. This life that I have is a gift. Am I in the arena fighting that good fight? If not, then get in it. So that is my motivational thought. Get in the arena, Leah. Now, number 16 is you can do it. And this kind of ties into get in the arena because often I'm not in the arena because I think I can't do it. And this reminds me of years ago when I got divorced, there was a lot of clinginess and anxiety with my two boys. They wanted to be with me all the time. Zach would refuse to go upstairs without me. Now our house had three floors. The main floor was where we spent most of our time and it was open concept. So they could see me whenever they were there. And upstairs were the bedrooms and the bathroom. And Zach would sometimes need to go to the bathroom or to his room to get a toy. And he always insisted that I go with him. And he actually became scared of doing that without me. And initially, I thought it was cute. And I sort of catered to it because I know that they were going through a big transition too. And truth be told, I actually liked being needed. But then I started to get concerned because I didn't really think it was normal for a four-year-old, Zach was four when I got divorced, to be so scared of going upstairs on his own especially in full daylight, 
just for two seconds. And even if it was normal at that stage and what he was going through, it just wasn't practical for me. So I started to tell him that he really needed to go upstairs alone and he did not like this idea. He pushed back with many, many tears. And regardless of how much I was a sucker for his tears, I knew he needed to learn how to do it. He was certainly capable of doing it. I just needed to let him know that he was capable. So we came up with these two main strategies, or maybe I came up with the strategies and enforced them on him. The first one was that I would be speaking to him so he could always hear my voice. And then that way, even though he knew he couldn't see me, he would know that I was still there and I wasn't going anywhere. And the second strategy was back then for me to teach him to self-coach. He would start to talk to himself. And at first he would talk out loud with me. And then gradually he would talk out loud alone. And then I would just reassure him every so often, I'm right here, you're doing great. And then gradually I would encourage him to speak more softly or even say it in his head. And what was he saying? Well, we decided his mantra would be a very popular one, which was just simply, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. And I so clearly remember going through those stages with him and hearing his little voice telling himself he can do it. And then me telling him he was okay, that he could do it. And then he was doing it. Eventually he would go up the stairs and just say, I'm doing it, mommy. And then I did it. And finally he just did it and it became a complete non-issue. And it would come up here and there throughout his childhood when he'd get a bit anxious about something. And I would tell him, talk yourself through it. Tell yourself you can do it. What's the worst that can happen? What's the best thing that can happen? And I don't know how much of that initial stair climbing saga he actually remembers. Perhaps it's very vague to him. But I have that memory etched into my heart because as a mother, I learned a very valuable lesson. It was nice being needed and wanted and having him depend on me, especially at such a vulnerable time in our lives. And it was nice that he wanted my support. But what was even better was seeing him learn that he can do things on his own, that he is capable, that even though he may feel anxious or outright scared, he can coach himself through anything. And then more importantly, that lesson is for me too, that I can self-coach myself when I feel scared, metaphorically, when I go upstairs by myself, I can remind myself that I can do it. Now, number 17 is what would love do? And this one can really help me when I feel grumpy or judgmental or irritated or frustrated. If I just ask what would love do, it's often pretty clear. Rarely can you go wrong with love. Number 18 is, what would I do if I wasn't afraid? And this is another one I find myself asking more and more, especially as I've been building my coaching practice or even starting this podcast. It was scary to start it. It was often scary and it still is to put myself out there. It can feel very vulnerable. But when I ask myself, what would I do if I wasn't afraid? I was like, I do a podcast. I'd say many of the things that I say. I do many of these things that I'm doing now, and I'm not going to let fear stop me. So I just need to do things. Fear can come along for the ride. It's just not going to be driving my car anymore. So what would I do if I wasn't afraid? Now, number 19 is I don't know how, but I know it's possible. Now, this is one of my most favorite ones. It's something that Zach had said in a talk he gave when he was on a mission for our church that I got to listen to virtually. He said, I don't know how, but I know it's possible. And I loved it so much that he actually wrote it out and he framed it for me for my birthday the following year. And really, it just reminds me, I don't really know the how all the time, but it is possible. 
I recently joined a mastermind for my coaching business with one of my longtime mentors and teachers and someone I admire very much. And I have to tell you, it is so intimidating, but she is an inspiration to me. She's an example to me of what is possible. There are so many examples around me of things that are possible, but it's just hard to know the how. And just trusting that the how will be there has been a great thing for me as I move forward. So I don't know the how, but I do know it's possible and just moving forward from that. And this last one, I actually love this one too. It is a biblical scripture. It's found in the book of Joshua, which I love because, of course, it reminds me of my son, Josh. And it happens to be the favorite scripture of my grandfather, who was also an Anglican minister. So you can find it in Joshua 1.9. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Whether you believe in God or not, I love the reminder, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid. You are not alone. Maybe it is God, like in my case, I believe it is, but maybe it's a partner, a parent, a child, a friend, a community, or maybe it's just me. You're not alone. I believe in you. Be strong and of good courage. That's it. Thank you for staying all the way until the end. My top 20 thoughts. I really had fun thinking about them and sharing them. I felt like this was a good way to celebrate 100. I would love to hear from you what some of your go-to inspirational, motivating, resilience-building thoughts that help you get through anything. So reach out. You can find me on Instagram at Leah Davidson Life Coaching, or you can email me at Leah at Leah Davidson Life Coaching. Thank you so much for coming along on this journey, and I hope that you'll continue along until we hit 200. Have a good week.